Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host for today, and thanks for listening to Relief from Darkness, where we're having conversations with people who've walked out of various mental health issues and into freedom. Today we'll be hearing from James and his journey out of pornography addiction. James is a student pilot in the Air Force with a background of working in college and young adult ministry, and he has just celebrated his one-year anniversary with his wife. Hi friends, I'm Molly, and we're here today with our Relief from Darkness crew, where we're going to be continuing our conversation about how we can really and truly walk out of freedom from various mental illnesses or various distorted thought processes, Um, anything really ranging from anxiety, depression, to suicidal thoughts, and everything really in between. So that means if we change our brain, you change your life. So today we have James joining us, where he's going to give us a glimpse into his experience with a pornography addiction. So then we also have Dr. Lori Basie, who will be with us for our brain dump portion of the show. And then we have our friend Carly to help us facilitate some questions. So Carly, can you give us a little bit of a background of what pornography is and maybe a little bit of statistics? Yes, absolutely. So pornography basically encompasses any sexually explicit media. That could be in the form of videos, photos, writings, virtual reality, really anything that's eliciting sexual arousal. So we found some statistics from Covenant Eyes, which is an amazing resource we will mention again later. But they gathered some information that is pretty heart-wrenching. Yeah, it's just a lot. But they found that every one in five mobile searches today are for pornography. Another study found that Young adults 13 to 24 believe that not recycling is worse than viewing porn. And in the church, porn is also rampant. 70% of evangelical Christian men report that they're actively watching porn and 30% of women. Yeah, so, I mean, just as we see from all of these studies, porn is absolutely rampant today, and our culture is very, very sexually oriented. Yeah. Um, And so it's to no surprise that these are the stats right now. So with all of that, uh, we have James as a living testimony um, to the Lord's freedom in the midst of pornography addiction. So James, can you tell us and give us a little bit of glimpses of some glimpses into your life and your experiences with pornography? Yeah. So um, when I was 11 years old, I had never heard about sex or had a conversation with an adult about um, what sex was or what were the differences between boys and girls and all those sorts of things. Um, and so uh, when I was 11, I was on the internet and I was unintentionally exposed to pornography. Um, and I had no idea. So um, initially, I was scared because I'd gotten exposed to something that was super powerful. Um, and I immediately was not going to tell anybody else about that because I didn't know what it even was or what other people knew or, or anything like that. And so, um, that began this trail of me being curious and trying to learn about things. And, um, it wasn't really until a few years into that, that I'd realized, uh, what it was and that I had an addiction. Um, and because it had started out just being scared, you know, there was so much, uh, shame that had started to build on top of all that. Mm. Um, yeah. And I wasn't going to tell anyone, especially as I got older, 
Um, and that impacted my relationships uh, with my parents. I know, especially with my father, you know, it was just harder when you have a whole part of your life that's secret and um, shameful. Mm -hmm. And so I was never 100%, never authentic with my parents. Um, I It bled into a lot of my relationships, especially how I treated girls or how I thought about girls in my school or in college or, or even just friends I had in a lot of ways that I was so um, shameful about um, because I had no self-control because I couldn't control my pornography addiction. I couldn't control the way I thought. I couldn't control what I looked up or how I spent my time. Um, and so that just began when you spend your life doing that, there, you know, you really can't do much without self-control. Just like um, Jocko Wilnick is a SEAL who, who has a book about that of, uh, you know, self-control equals freedom. And I think that was true. I was totally addicted and um, it was just this cycle of shame and hurting people and, and closing myself off from relationships that were valuable to me. Um, and that's kind of my exposure to pornography and how that went uh, for the first 10 years after I was exposed to it. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. So, Dr. Laurie, can you give us kind of um, from a brain perspective, can you tell us what porn does to your brain or how it interacts with our brains and feelings and things like that? Well, it's really interesting. And even from a faith-based perspective, we think, well, we just shouldn't. Well, it goes way further than just shouldn't. And it's not, I think, today. And as was described with the internet and with everything that we're exposed to, it's not if we see a pornographic image, it's going to be when we see a pornographic image. And in the midst of porn, I mean, originally before brain scans and all of those things, we could wonder, is it a moral issue? Is it a religious issue? Or is it an addictive issue? And literally, it becomes an addictive issue. It, it changes the neurons and changes actually the shape and the structure of that three-pound mass of butter, Molly Buck, wow. in your brain. And so in the midst of all of that, it's really, really important to know that it does shape our brains. And so whether the exposure was accidental, like what James described just happening upon it, whether there is uh, sexual abuse that led to whatever the root of it is or whatever that trauma is that actually leads to the root of us viewing those things, it literally can cause damage and change our brains. Wow. And can you tell us, like, in your experience, what ages are most affected, like when this first exposure starts happening? I think about the utilization of phones now. And so I think it's going to be really important what we like to say, if it's not by eight, it's too late. And so if mm. we, the parent or mm -hmm. the the person who's in an authority figure role doesn't explain these things to kids, then it's just at some point it's going to happen. And so, and then we think about even our, what's called an arousal template what do we find sexually attractive or what arouses us? And they say that with the arousal template from a brain standpoint is that there are things that happen uh, to us because of trauma or because of things that we've been exposed to or even prepubescent than what we are drawn towards or attracted to. And so in those really formative years of the brain where the brain is changing so rapidly and all of these chemicals come on board and hormones in the adolescent brain, this is a really, really vulnerable time and a higher point or a higher time of addiction between those years where if people are exposed to that, I think about even the storyline or the things that are happening inside of the brain with somebody who's exposed. 
And so time and time again, I've worked with men on the other side of the porn addiction that said, well, I used to do this. I was exposed. I, I might have been sexually abused or I was exposed to this or that and then pornography. And then I started acting out on it. And all of a sudden, I just couldn't quit. And so I think it's really, really mm -hmm. important for us to know, again, that this becomes an addictive thing. And if we don't start to address these things at a really, really early age, even prepubescent, and if we don't deal with trauma and sexual abuse and the exposure, then we're really in a losing battle. Yeah, well, I'm also hearing the kind of good news in it of if this is, if this can be kind of like an addictive thing and an addictive issue, and if our brain is a three pound mass of butter, then it can change. So with that, James, do you have any like insight about how, like, where did the Lord meet you in this? Yeah, so... Um... It was actually really remarkable, and I love sharing uh, what happened to me. Um, but so going back to the addiction, um, that lasted for 10 years of my life. And so I was a junior in college and had been just compounding the shame, even like Lori was saying, that that addiction leads to, to more stuff. And so where that had led me uh, was I was in a relationship with a girl um, who was very manipulative and I would say, you know, borderline abusive at times. And um I was in this bad relationship and it been in there for a while and I didn't have enough confidence or maybe not confidence, but, you know, I had so much of the shame built up that I was just kind of stuck in it. Um, and so that came to an end while we were both working at a summer camp and it came to an end in a fashion that was uh, pretty rough. Uh, so basically I had been duped and was getting lied to in a way that everybody else at the camp kind of knew what was going on. And I was kind of the last one to figure oh, out. And gosh. so we go through that process and it, um, you know, I was in a leadership role at the camp and I had a lot of responsibility and um, I was really devastated. Um, and it was at the point where, you know, I was considering, do I just pack up my stuff tonight and go to the parking lot and drive out of here while everybody's asleep and never talk to anyone again and, and that type of thing. And, uh, but I, I wanted to stay committed, and I had a lot of responsibility. And so the only place I could turn to, because uh, I couldn't do anything, uh, was really to Jesus and just prayer. And so uh, I would skip meals and go to my cabin and uh, would get on my knees. And that was the first time in my life that um, you know I really got to see the hand of the Lord. And so I saw a lot of uh, specific prayers answered. Um, it was crazy. I'd never... I'd never been around that before. I'd never heard people talk about it in such a way that God could answer prayers. And God really did care about me and he did want to heal me. Um, and I got to experience that the rest of that summer. Um, and it was so powerful when Jesus met me, it totally changed everything. Um, and so out of that summer, I was a totally different person because I'd seen God use people to people that I didn't know say, hey, God told me, he wants me to tell you this and to be super specific that nobody would know about and all those things. And so that changed my life where I started to realize I'm not going to continue to walk in this sin anymore because this is not what God wants for me. And Jesus was inviting me into a healing process um, in that. And so um, out of that summer, I started just growing so much. I, I, I didn't have a pastor or anything like that, um, but I did find a podcast. Uh, it's done by The Porch. It's a young adults ministry out of Dallas. Um and they started talking about ways to find healing from sexual addiction. And um, in the midst of that, I was totally brought out of it. And since that summer, I've been in total freedom. 
And it was, it was just crazy because in that process, you, I was just a, a normal teenage guy who'd been yeah. in addiction, had, there was no other intervention. I didn't do a program or I didn't have an older man walk me through anything, but I really felt like God was meeting me himself and saying, I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring you out of this, even though you chose this, you know, you did this yeah. to yourself and you, you know, you got in that relationship, you embarrassed yourself. You know, those are things that I had earned for myself. Um, and uh, Jesus healed me. And I would just say that's a, a testament. If you don't believe in the power of Jesus, there was nothing else. You know, you take a guy who's addicted for 10 years to pornography then s- somehow over the course of a summer is never walking in that again. You know, and then is also healed from this relationship, you know, that was, you know, for a guy like me, it was really hard Um, and took me to a place where I, you know, having grown up and having this inauthenticity in my life, I really didn't get as close to my dad as I would have wished. You know, I was longed for that father son relationship and, and God took me to a place where, you know, he was healing me and then saying, you know, hey, grab, grab your toolbox we're going to get in the truck and we're going to go to work. And so I got to, it was just so much healing, um, you know, entering into that. I think everybody desires uh, that level of, of fathership in their life. And that didn't uh, really come from me in, in any physical man, um, you know, other than Jesus. And uh, it was just so fun to be a part of that because as I grabbed my toolbox and I got in the truck with Jesus, we got to go and heal others. And so I got to go do that in my church and with other young men um, as I was getting healed. And uh, it was just so powerful. I, I would never take back that time of meeting Jesus. Goodness. So Dr. Lori, can you tell us anything about the healing power of Jesus and Specifically with addiction. And yeah, that, man, just like James said, that was the only intervention for him. And yes, the other things are good, older men or older women helping us walk through our programs or whatever that may be. But ultimately, real healing comes through Jesus. Can you tell us about that? Isn't that amazing? And what a beautiful testimony. And so ultimately, I think the things that drive us away from Jesus are shame and condemnation. And so that's never, ever him. And he knows all of the things that we're exposed to in life. He knows exactly what we need. He knows that our parents weren't perfect. He knows that we end up in things that whether knowingly or unknowingly, we end up in these just these really bad situations. And he always, always shows up. And it's just beautiful. One of my favorite stories is if you think about the disciples. And so Jesus continuously told them that he was going to be crucified and buried and raised again. And it actually happened. And Jesus told Peter, he said, you know, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, nope, no way, never going to do it. Never, never. And sure enough, Peter did deny Christ three times. Christ did die through crucifixion and he was buried. And then the disciples go back and think it's over. And so they forgot the point that Jesus was going to be risen and they, they started to experience persecution or fear. And so Peter actually goes back to his day job. He goes back to fishing. And so in the middle of all of that, then Jesus comes back and he appears and he pulls Peter in close and he said, Hey, do you love me? And if so, go feed my sheep. And so Peter just had a friendship love 
for Christ. And Christ asked him this three times. And in the midst of all of that, then Jesus essentially said, you know, Peter, I know just where you're at, but I'm going to prophesy over you. And I'm going to talk to you about where you're going to be. And you are actually end up going, you're going to end up being crucified upside down. You're going to give your life for me. You're going to love me that much. And so I think the, what James so beautifully illustrated is a story when we run to him and we allow him to heal us. And then he gives us our tool belt. And so no matter what that modality or methodology was, so Jesus himself is enough and Jesus can work through people or not through people. And so I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful story mm-hmm. about what Jesus did as he drew him in close. Again, not just a, a, a moral issue at that point. Then now we're into an addiction issue. And so shame and condemnation will always drive us away But if we just press into him and just see what his strategy is, he's not a cookie cut. It's not a cookie cutter. We're not cookies. And there's not the same strategy for all of us. But what a beautiful story that Jesus is really enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to be able to even just break free from that shame and condemnation part and then know that that's who you need to connect with. Like you need Mm -hmm. to connect with Jesus. So with that, Lord, do you have any of CPR for porn addiction? So I think the first thing we need to do is, is again, that kind of a, a sin or that kind of addiction will drive us away from people. And so what fuels that is secrecy. And so back to connection, 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 whether we're connected in a group, we're connected for accountability, we're connected to Jesus, we've got to be connected. There has to be people that we can tell everything to at some point. And so in the midst of all of that, whoever that safe person is. And then for the the people that are the safe people, I want to ask us, and, and so if you're married, would it be safe for your spouse to say, I'm looking at porn? Or if you have kids, would it be safe for your kids to come and tell you, I'm looking at porn? And so in the midst of all of that, we have to be safe people. Mm-hmm. We have to realize what this really is. And then the psychoeducation of this is this is a really serious issue that this is a sexualized culture and one thing leads to another. And I meet with multitudes of people who have said, you know, I just glanced, I've been sexually abused in the past. I've got an arousal template for something that I know is destructive and can cause harm. And so as we've then experienced that sexual release, the chemicals that are released in our brain are really addictive. And whether it's for stress relief or because we're lonely or because we've been abused or because we've just altered our brain, it's really, really important we get to the root of whatever that is that's causing all of that. And then the routine, there's there's got to be something in this that's better than it's really common for people to be able to stop for a month or for two months or for three months, but then to really get to the root of it and to really get healing. And so instead of ca- cutting the weed off at the head, it's really, really important for people to dig down and get to the root of why they're doing that. And so whether it's father wounds or mother wounds or uh, the the arousal template or the desire or that that movie thing that we're playing in our head with the script, all of those things are really important to understand so that we can alter our routine. We're going to starve old neuropathways and we're going to fuel and build new neuropathways, but it can't just be the white knuckling it mm-hmm. in the midst yeah. of all of this. Yeah. So with that, James, you mentioned now it's been three years of of no pornography, no addiction. So 
what has been the routine for you? What strategies have you implemented in your life? Yeah, I would say um, three things. Uh, first thing I would say is you need to encounter and surrender your life to God. Um, and uh, you need to, maybe if you're a cultural Christian or something like that, or God's familiar, understand how powerful God really is. And I've even had people tell me, well, you'll probably always struggle with addiction, even when I was in it. And mm-hmm. I just, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Um, and God answered prayers. Mm-hmm. He loves you and he, he wants to draw you further and further out of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say, once you get healed by Jesus, it and it automatically creates this response in you where you start to say, well, how can I do that for others? How can I replicate that? Um, and I would just say that the second critical thing that I would recommend is start to think of my roommates, maybe my family. Maybe it's not purity. Maybe it's some other form of addiction. But how can I be a part of God's will being in other people's lives? How can I see see to it that my community is free from addiction or whatever and bring it away from yourself and start to invite other people into that. And then third, I would say is on a accountability level, having a partner that is willing to pray for you at the thought level. So maybe you saw something that you didn't want to see um, on Instagram or maybe I've seen from a movie or maybe just throughout your day, making sure you have someone that's your go-to hey, man, I need you to pray for me right now because I don't want this thought to grow anymore. And that, to me, is where I saw the most success in my life as well as in other people's lives is when they were willing to do that. And and generally having a partner who's kind of on the same level as you because that helps if both of you are working together. Mm -hmm. um, I would highly recommend those three things. So, Yeah. Yeah. So for our listeners that might be in the middle of this or struggling with this right now, if you could give just one takeaway, what would that be? I would encourage someone to to allow Jesus to heal them um, and to really fight hard. You know, I, I think that there's so many different factors. Obviously, people have things happen to them that are horrible that make things harder and, and all of that. But um, I would just say be encouraged that Jesus can heal you, yeah. right? I mean— I was 10 years and now three years without going to masturbation, pornography. I don't know how that happens, but I do know that Jesus is powerful enough to make that happen. And so I would just encourage people to seek it out and not be uh, content. Um, Don't, don't let your, your willingness to fight die. Mm -hmm. Um, And expect more out of Jesus in a sense, you know, like Jesus is powerful enough to heal you. So um, yeah. continue to ask him. And um, obviously there's a lot of different places people are coming from. So there's a lot of understanding and maybe where you're coming from is a lot harder situation. So there's more healing or, or more tools that are maybe needed and people he can in. do it all though. But Jesus can do it all. So I would just encourage yeah. people in that, that he really is powerful enough to bring you out and use you for something greater. That's good. Cause I think it's become so normalized in our culture it is. that even it's okay and so just hearing that it's not okay and Jesus can can help you yeah. come out and, and has better for you, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Really and big it deal. only grows this past year. They, you know, Pornhub is like the number one distributor of pornography yeah. got in trouble because a lot of their content had some really crazy, I mean, 
I'm not going to share the titles of them, but really crazy perverse things, especially racially perverse things brought in with that. And um, that got exposed and it just shows how it only grows more Mm -hmm. and more perverse because that diminishing returns is going to kick in and you're going to have to do something. It's only going to get worse for Mm -hmm. you. And so um, striking it down is your only option. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Lori, do you have any takeaways Yeah, I think there's several things. I love what James reiterated, and that's just total surrender. Mm -hmm. And so we know in our heart of hearts that something isn't right, and one thing leads to another. And like he said, the point of diminishing return is at some point that's not going to be enough. I'm going to find myself wanting something else. And so because sin will never satisfy and we'll go further than we ever wanted to go. We'll stay longer than we ever wanted to, and it'll cost us more than we ever dreamed it would. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of that, then, as we are followers of Christ, we can't just add Christ to us and then Him look like us. That We totally have to surrender and follow what He's invited us into, not because He's a he's one that wants to restrict all of our fun and take our joy, but actually He knows the consequences of sin, and that truly is death. And so at what point do we stop? And so I would encourage those who aren't thinking about things that are pure and lovely and noble and just and right to really take a look at it. And, or if you can't stop and in the midst of that, or you end up with child pornography. And so for those who are parents or who interact with kids, I think it's going to be really, really important that we have conversations around Mm -hmm. this. They say that the number one distributor of child pornography is truly kids themselves. And so with sexting and with all of those things, it's something that we're going to have to really take a look at and address. And then in the midst of that, again, it's not, if I happen to see something that I shouldn't, that's when, and I love what James said again about, then you need somebody that you can talk to with accountability. And so I do want to make mention for all of us, whether we're working with our kids or whether we have an accountability partner or even for myself, I know that if I see something that is sexually arousing, that there's this can-do process. And the first thing is we need to close the image. And so whether you literally physically close the screen or you close that image in your mind, if I'm having lustful thoughts, that has to happen. And then we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge that this is a person, and that I've sexualized or objectified somebody. And when sex becomes a commodity or objectified instead of an act of intimacy, then we're in a huge amount of trouble. And I've worked with multitudes of of men. And one of the men said, you know, I used to watch pornography and like James talked about, it just got darker and darker. And I never dreamed, but I found out afterwards that those girls had to sit in ice buckets or, or in bathtubs of ice after they'd gotten done doing what they did that was so unnatural on Mm -hmm. some of those videos. And so we need to acknowledge that that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's mother, that's someone's sister, and it's not to be objectified. And then we need to name that person and name what it truly is. It's lust, it's pornography, Mm -hmm. it'll lead to something else. It's an addiction and then with the do and the can do process, then we need to do something else. We need to we need to shift and order our brain. We need to get out of that cycle. And then finally, then I have to order my brain. And so what comes in to my eye gate, my ear gate, through my thoughts is literally shaping and molding that three pound mass in my skull. That's my brain. And we need to really make sure that we order ourselves and do something else. Mm. 
That's so good. And in light of that, too, we have a great resource called Covenant Eyes, and it's basically a place that will help put in safeguards on your phone or computer, things like that. Um, But I just appreciate you sharing so much, James, of your experience and Lori about the brain. And I think this is such a valuable podcast and it will yeah, just continue to be on my heart and my mind as I look at our children and I want to fight for them and I want to fight for each other. And as the body of Christ, we can because of Jesus empowering us. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, what I'm hearing is basically, I mean, we need to stay connected and mm-hmm. we need to tell people what's going on in us. And we need to, anytime that there's shame or condemnation, it's important that we break free from that and don't sit in that and don't let secrecy keep us in that place of sin, because that just leads, as Lori said, to death. So as we change our thought patterns and as we change our brain, we get to change our life. So with that, um, all of these resources with the covenant eyes and the can-do processes will help. So I want to say thank you guys for being here and thank you guys for listening. This has been Relief from Darkness, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.